0: Mind the gap, right? Ever hear that, getting off the subway? Mind the gap. Watch that space between the subway and the platform as you are leaving, or you might find yourself stepping into the gap. It's interesting to me that the gap is between two processes. processes. One waiting for something to arrive to get somewhere, and the other getting to your somewhere and in between waiting for something to arrive to get somewhere and arriving at where you're trying to get to there's this gap and such a warning wants us to be careful not to inadvertently step into the gap on our way to or fro wherever it is we are toing or froing surely this is direction Good direction for subway travelers, but perhaps not such good direction for those working to follow and to share the good news. It seems the gap may just be a uniquely integral part of our Christian faith and discipleship. In fact, I came up with an acronym for GAP, God, and Practice. How do we see and know God, and how do we practice God in what we see and do? Gap, God, and practice. Being Christian or committed to other spiritual traditions, if there are other traditions that bring you here today, call us to be faithful, loving, compassionate, caring, or whatever the words are that describe the goodness of the good news in our lives. And from all that we know, such a stage of being in our lives, hesed, the Greek word hesed, steadfast love, of being in that place of hesed in that stage in our lives, requires that we see, that we come to know, and take action by entering into the gap between those who are privileged, comfortable, safe, accepted, and those who are treated as underclass, unsettled, live in danger, or dismissed. It can call us this love, this compassion, into other gaps in the world as well, such as those that surround concerns about planet and earth, animal and species protection, and more. In other words, our faith is a faith that is best known for its work in the gap, in many gaps, in those places between. And I think that it is a work that is a way of living, not a destination, an achievement, An accomplishment, or a subway to some place. For the gap, to paraphrase Jesus, I think, will always be with us. And that, my sisters and brothers, is why I think we are here. Actually, more than that, it's what I believe and why I believe we are here. To work and to live in the gap to work and to live in that horizontal intersection of the cross with the vertical call to discipleship toward one another with the spirit that has been given to us to love. Thinking of it that way, the gap then becomes the place of the cross. It becomes the place of remembrance, the place where all eternity intersects. intersects with us, with all of us. And to live outside this gap is to be an observer, to watch it go by, an observer in this mystery of love and service and life and spirit on this planet. To live outside the gap as an observer is to live in a place of judgment and criticism and cynicism, and selfish containment. And to live there in that place is to wither away, not to grow. To live outside of the gap makes us defensive, and protective, and fearful of others and what they might do to us. It is to be mistrustful and, I think, misguided. It is a place of nihilism, the absence of hope, dressed up in the disguise of prosperity or denial. It is a place where materialism is as much a sickness of denial as is alcoholism or drug abuse. In other words, the movement toward healing burns in us all somewhere, I believe that, But it only builds into a flame when we take the risk and the personal responsibility of entering into that gap together and leading others there as well. That means all of us. That means those with and those without. That means into this gap those willing to help and those willing to ask for help. Those lost and those willing to be found by each other. The point is that if we, and I am speaking to those of us gathered here, want to make a difference, then we need to reside and live within the gap of the absence of the things that we say, believe, or feel are important to us as people who are faithful. We need to seek. We do seek. Those things that are absent that we say are important to us in our faith, in our lives, in our relationship with others. And enter into that place to do something about the absence. To bring our gifts there. The other part of that is inviting those who feel the absence into that space where we work together to fill the absence. The gap is the place where we meet. There are dual gifts here. There are the gifts we bring to one another of help and the gift of need. They come together. They are one. They are equal in the light and the shadows of the cross. The help and the need for the help are equal. They are complementary. And the work of the cross is to witness and encourage to bring the good news and in all the mysterious ways that it flows into that gap where we come together. But let's be up front as we always try to be here, transparent and honest, even when people think we're not. (laughs) There are those on either side of the gap, or who surround the gap. Perhaps the gap is like a circle. It's more a circle. We're all around it. There are those all around it who are unwilling to experience the discomfort of getting close to others. The tension that that can bring. Uh Uh-uh, not me. Not going there. Which is why we need leaders. Leaders. We need leaders to break the tension and to show it for what it is. Nothing. What do we do about fear and tension? What is it that we fear about it? Well, I think part of what we fear about tension is that it will always escalate. It's always going to get worse. We're afraid, oh my God, this is going to get out of hand. My friends, things are already out of hand. In fact, the gap is the only place where things get resolved. The gap is exactly what Jesus entered into in his ministry, right into the tension, the cross, his life, the tension. It is where his teachings emerged and where his ministry thrived, even unto his execution. And I do not believe that he was ever comfortable Something happens in the gap. It has its own parameters. The healing and the work that takes place there somehow makes up for what needs to be let go of to get there. And what needs to be let go of to get there mostly is fear. Annie, thank you for leading for us this morning. Annie read the two readings this morning. And before Acts chapter 4, in chapter 3, Just to paraphrase it, Peter and John are outside in the afternoon one day and they're outside the temple and someone is begging for food or money outside the temple, someone who they refer to as having been crippled all his life. And Peter says, well, I can't give you money, but I'll give you what I have. By the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, may you be healed. He was. And everybody was amazed. And so they're all following around. And so, in this place of amazement, Peter and John and whatever disciples, other disciples that might have been there, with this crowd gathering in this mystery and wonder of the miracle of someone being healed, begin to preach what we would refer to as the gospel. And in this preaching, the crowd starts to grow again, it's gaining attention again. And so, here's the Sadducees and the high priests that Annie read about in the first reading. And so the crowds are there, and they're causing all of this commotion. And, quote, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John. Because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. So when Annie started her reading this morning, it was the next day. And Peter and John now had been brought before the people who will judge them. And when they said, by whose authority do you heal this person? Who, who gave you the right to do this? Peter responds. Now, just for a second, so that I can do a little drama, because you know how I like to be dramatic. I mean, I am a queen, after all. Just for a second, they were standing out in the public setting, there were people all around. There were no microphones. Peter stood out there in the loudest of voices and said, "People, by whose authority do I do this? By whose authority do we heal? By whose authority the one you executed who's here today despite what you do? Just think of him the audacity that that took to walk out into the circle of people around him and to proclaim the gospel says he was filled with the spirit to those challenging the authority by which he did these things. So we sit here very nicely in a microphone and we talk in ways that are comfortable and probably put everybody to sleep. and put myself to sleep sometimes. But they were far from sleepy, And that t- kind of audacity was not tolerated well standing squarely in the center of that gap in that gap between those who ruled for power and order and those who were subjugated to the power and the order and kept at a distance here were these disciples in the gap closing the distance, creating the tension speaking their truth they did not fear the truth Something that is at the center of the gaps into which we enter is the truth. It is always in the center of the gap, which is why it is avoided. Gaps are always a place of truth. Now, it would be easy to assume that the disciples were standing on the side of those who were oppressed on that day. They were right there with the poor. Come on, y'all. Come on, we'll show them, right? But the whole scene is created in such a way so that they're not. They're not sided with the poor. They're not sided with the Sadducees and the high priest. They are in the center, speaking to all those around or on either side of this gap. They were witnesses. They were giving what they had to others, accepting what others had to bring. It was how the masses were and are to be fed. Both figuratively and literally, by their witness. I don't, if you read this, maybe the same thing will happen to you that happened to me. I got the sense that not only were the disciples challenging the rulers, they were challenging the broader group as well. Because it's easy to believe that some of those watching from the sidelines on both sides who had seen this miracle it's easy to believe that some of them, days before, were in the same crowd shouting, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! And then they're seeing this. Perhaps on that day they listened. Because after all, if you want to speak truth, have not even we who have helped others found reason to criticize those we have helped? And have not even those who we have sought to help found reason to criticize us? We can't let criticism ever be a deal-breaker. So the chapter ends with Peter and John, the... John puts it this way, he says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, And then they conferred and said, what are we going to do with these people? Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign. And we cannot deny it. And so they cursed them. And they yelled at them. And they sent them away. See, standing in the gap creates change. identifies things. And the gap may not always be very clear to all of us, but it is subtle and it is always there. And if we watch for it, we will always see and find it. When you are on the subway the next time and you hear that, beware the gap or whatever it is they say, maybe you'll think of this today. Maybe you'll think of God in practice, maybe you'll think that it's never one side, that it's never without tension. And maybe if you look around, you'll be amazed at what amazes me on a regular basis. And that is that how often the gap reminds me and draws me to the simplest of acts towards others. May I help you comes to mind. Instead of silence and not interrupting our path, our journey, our day, or our business. So in closing, there are many subtle ways to bring this gap to the point where we close it, make it smaller. This gap between living in our lives, in a way that remembers the teachings of Jesus do this in remembrance of me not just break the bread live your lives in remembrance of me but you know John reminds us that what Annie read that there are clear examples in the life of Jesus that we attempt to follow examples or ideals that most of us will keep our sights on work toward and never achieve he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for one another or how does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help or let us love not in word or speech but in truth and action And this is his commandment. One John tells us that we should believe in his name and love one another just as he commanded us. He might well have said, step into the gap, do what you can, love one another and do it in remembrance of me and the spirit will be with you. And don't worry, it'll work out fine because I am always with you, even in the gap. And if Jesus were the great conductor, as those doors were about to close, he might have said, oh, and don't worry about leaving your personal belongings behind because you are all you need when you walk with me. All aboard.